Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I'm Tyler, and joining me as always is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to follow us wherever you're finding this podcast and give us a rating as well if that's possible. Also, head over to our YouTube, and we're trying to grow that. Post some reels on Instagram as well, so you can follow us there, but we're posting some shorts on YouTube. All these episodes go on YouTube. The Fantasy Football Show is live on YouTube uh, and also gets posted there. So go follow us on YouTube or subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave us a comment on our videos. Let us see what you you would want to hear. And then also give us a like on our videos as well. It helps us out. There's a couple GoFundMes we also want to talk about. The first one I'll talk about is Rocket Around the 412. It is our Christmas fundraiser that we've been doing for the past five years. This is year five. Over $20,000 raised, 30 kids across 13 families helped out. And we're trying to get it even bigger. Uh, we're trying to grow it right, right now. We're kind of in crunch time. It, it is getting down to the wire. We have about a month, a little over a month left for donations as well. Uh, still not hitting our goal. We want to get as close to that goal as possible, but all of you guys could help out. The The link to the GoFundMe will be in the description of all these shows across all platforms. And it was also be the pin tweet on our Twitter as well as you can just go to GoFundMe.com directly, search rocking around the 412 and it'll pop right up. You can read about our mission and donate if you would like. The second GoFundMe I'll talk about real quick is another GoFundMe for uh, actually one of the recipients for Rocket Around the 412 this year that's already been predetermined. It's uh, called Isla Keen's Future. And unfortunately, her father, uh, Dalton Keen, passed away about a month ago now. And uh, they set up a GoFundMe for Isla's future. And so far, I, I mean, I haven't checked since last week, but last week it was raised over $33,000, which is incredible. We want to keep mm -hmm. that going. We want to push that as much as possible still um, so we can help Isla out in her future as best as we can. So if you want to check that out, we, we've, we've tweeted it out multiple times, but if you go to GoFundMe and search Isla Keen's future, it will be there as well, just like their other one. And it's, it's just like the other link, it will also be in the description of this show. So on all platforms, you can find both of those GoFundMes and check them out. Yep. Uh, as Tyler said, if you're watching this on YouTube, it will be down there. But it's really cool that on the audio platforms, you're able to put stuff like that on there now as well. So the links to both of those will be there for you to check out. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a different show. Only one Penguin game to talk about. The Steelers were on a buy. So we were looking for questions. Kind of going to be like an AMA show, which I, have we done one of those? Like We haven't done one of those in probably... I would say over two have, years. Have we done? Have you and I even had an episode that was like that? Because I know Herb, like shortly before he left. Oh, okay. We uh, one, so we we might have not have been. I mean, yeah. maybe we had one where like early on where it was like the three of us, but I don't think you and I, just the two of us, have done one. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but anyway, there is one penguin game to talk about Saturday night against the Kraken. The losing streak did go to seven games in this one. Um, I didn't have the same type of vibe watching it i don't know if you watched the whole thing or not i got home from a wedding uh shortly after the game started so i was actually able to see most of it unlike what i thought was going to happen um but i think what felt so different about it is i actually thought the pens played pretty well in this one it's a shame that you know you have a six game losing streak you actually play pretty well and then you have martin jones of all people stand on his head against them but i i liked overall what i saw from the team um you know kasperi kapanen misses an open net literally an empty net sitting right there and kind of in the story of his penguins tenure um, but other than that, I mean, especially in the third period, Sid took a penalty that he didn't agree with, and he just decided I'm going to take over this game. And he literally tried everything in his power to will this team to two points. Uh, they make one mistake 
and Brandon Tanev's left alone in front of the net. Of, you know, of course, it's naturally a former, a former Penguin. Too. Yeah, and but it's it's what we've talked about. Like when the Penguins make a mistake, of course, it's going to end up in the back of their net. That's it. Just seems to plague them. Like this team gets away with absolutely nothing if they make a mistake. The pucks ends up in the back of their net. Yeah, so I actually didn't get to watch the game uh, oh, on okay. Saturday. So so Saturday, I was driving up to Boise uh, for the BYU Boise right. State game. So, Blue field, so, nice. Y- yep, uh, that that gaudy, hideous field. <laughs> um, so I was I was in Boise, Idaho on Saturday. So I just kind of watched some highlights of it afterwards, and then saw what people were saying on Twitter. It didn't yeah. seem like it was as bad as some of the games have been on the losing streak. Um, but but nah. still making mistakes during the games and it's it seems like some of the personnel decisions are, are what's been bothering the Peng- or penguins fans a lot of the time because they, they kept with a lot of the same personnel decisions but then i looked at that third line on saturday and the third line to me was confusing having what mcginn paling and who was the kapanen was your third yeah line? by the time it ended they i mean sullivan was throwing the kit like he was throwing everything they, the way that they were jumbling the lines they didn't okay. start out the way that they finished i mean so yeah by the end of it it was completely different but that's what i wanted to bring up real quick before we start answering some questions that we got is um danny shirey our good friend put out some new looks at penguins practice so it looks like tomorrow night against washington we could see a very different penguins team um especially in the back end it's hard to say what's going to happen with the forwards because we don't know for sure that both carter and bluter will be back in the lineup but okay, so Crosby, Denzel, Rust. Now I did. I I'm gonna keep saying it. I still think Raquel should and and Rust should flip right there, uh, and Raquel should be on the top line, Rust on the second line. But you know, whatever. Um, but then you get down a little bit. Carter, Heinen, and McGinn. So you know, Carter started the season with Kapanen on his right wing, not Heinen, and McGinn was on the fourth line. Now he's on the third line. And then this is where it gets really confusing because they had Paling with Archibald and Hollander, who they just recently called up, and then Bluter mm-hmm. with Polin and Kapanen. So I mean. There's a very good chance that Kasperi Kapanen is a healthy scratch on Wednesday night against Washington based off the way that this looked. Or do you think that that Bluter pull in Kapanen is actually the fourth line that we're going to see? And what was showing is the fourth line, Paling, Hollander, Archibald's what's not going to be in the lineup. I don't know because, and maybe it's just the way that uh, the the rushes were being looked at. And maybe it was the way that Danny actually tweeted it because, because I don't know what to interpret that as, because it would, it would surprise me if that that bottom line as a whole because because i don't know what that means is would that whole line be a scratch or just some well you think if bluter's ready to go bluter's gonna play i mean they've missed right. him a ton on the pk he would be you know their best face-off guy once he gets back so like i have a hard time believing he's not going to play so then yeah i get your what you're saying like is he moving up it's paling coming up but then are archibald and hollander his wings i don't know right like like it, it would surprise me, but also actually at the same time, not surprise me based off the performance of some of these bottom six guys to see um, who, who who was on the, the wing with Kapanen. It was Kapanen, uh, it was Bluger, and Sam Poland. Okay. So you have Hollander and I'm trying to keep track of all these guys. Hollander and Archibald is the other wings. Yeah. Archibald's played. Poland's played a little bit. Kapanen's, I, I, I don't know. The, the, the bottom six is a mess as a whole. So I don't know. If I could be honest with you. I think I'd have, I think I'd have the fourth line as Bluter, Archibald and Poland. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if Sam Poland's like a play up here, what's he, what are we doing? Like what's he, I, I don't he know. up here for to be a healthy scratch for you. So <laughs> I don't know. We, we, we could ask that question about multiple, <laughs> I, multiple players, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. I tr- try anything because after losing seven games, I, I think the biggest issue I have with, 
the team and Mike Sullivan's decisions has been personnel issues. Well, actually, to be honest with you, that's not what I would do. I, I, I said that, but realistically, if I'm able to reconstruct more than just one piece of this roster, I'm having Carter not play center. I'm having him play wing somewhere. McGinn is certainly not on the third line if he's even in the lineup. Um, and I would actually have down the middle Crosby, Malkin, Bluger, and Poland, and Carter playing a wing either on the third or fourth line. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I don't know what to do at this point or what to expect at this point, I would say. I, I know what I would do, but I don't know what to expect because, you know, I think logically and analytically, you look at the production of like Sid's line when with Raquel up there and Rust up there, and you think, mm-hmm. why isn't Raquel playing up there? But I, I don't know if uh, Sullivan just doesn't really care about analytics as much as the fans do. Or, or well, what? Yeah, you know, I'm like, well, why do you have an analytics team for the team and, and if you're not going to use them? Yeah, we talk about duos a lot. You know, ever since, like, Steve Mears was on and brought it up to us that it's more so, like, Sullivan looks at the duos and then just finds, like, a complimentary piece for those two. So I guess on that top line, it's Rust on the, the bottom, on the second line. I'm not sure who it is because Malkin and Raquel have not found that chemistry together. But Gino and Rust have looked good together. So, like, why not have well, Raquel and, and be it's, the And it's not piece? like Zucker and Malkin have this great chemistry either. Especially yeah. when you compare it to Rust. I think Rust plays better with Malkin than pretty That's much anybody saying. he's I think, ever played with. Besides I, think Rust is, I think Rust is the Gensel for Gino is what I'm getting at. So you have Zucker yeah. as the complimentary piece for Gino and Rust, and Raquel is a complimentary piece for, for Sid and Jake. But that's obviously not where Sullivan's mind is, at least at this point in time. Doesn't feel that that needs to change. Where he does see the need to change is the defensive pairings are completely scrambled up here. Uh-huh. Um, Pedersen and Latang. Joseph and Petrie, Dumoulin and Ruda. So we we do finally see Dumoulin drop down. It's not necessarily, I would have thought. This also like, ties into a question we got. Yeah, it does, which, you know, that can be the first question we get to after this. But I'm a little surprised, not necessarily surprised, but I would have thought the, that you want to keep some stability on the back end. So, like, it would have made sense to keep Pedersen and Petrie together and have P.O. Joseph get the first crack at replacing Dumoulin with Latang. But Pedersen has far and away been their best defenseman this year. So I guess it kind of makes sense. Like if you're trying to get Chris Letang back on track and at least have one solid defensive pairing, that's the way to do it. Because even though Pedersen himself has been good, him and Petrie haven't necessarily, like he hasn't been able to rejuvenate Petrie's game entirely. That's just a testament to how bad Jeff Petrie has been here for the Penguins. But it, it makes sense to, to throw Pedersen up there on the top line and give him a crack because he's been their best defenseman to this point in the season. And it's crazy. Like, imagine if they did move him in the offseason where this team would be. Yeah, no, that's true. And so so that's why I would say, honestly, I prefer him to stay on that second pairing because of the way Petrie's played. Now, maybe Petrie starts to play better with POJ. Who knows? We haven't seen that mm-hmm. pairing play together yet. But that's why I would have kept Pedersen pretty much pat because of how good defensively Pedersen's been I'm not saying he's making up for Petrie but at least you know next to Petrie you're getting a really solid defensive performance it moving him up you're kind of leaving a question mark how is POJ going to play with Petrie I don't know if he's going to be as good defensively or not that's why I would have put POJ up top because I, I think that could have been a good experiment to see what happens with Latang there because I think Latang is the type of defenseman even though it is good to have a solid pairing with him he's a he's a as, as good of a defenseman to pull himself out of a slump uh, uh, just by himself so that's why i think like moving dumlin down is is a great sign to me but i just would have swapped the left side still 
like POJ up top and Pedersen down low. I don't mind them doing the way that what what they're doing, or if that's in, indeed what's going to happen on like Wednesday night. But I I just personally would have kept Pedersen where he's at, especially with the way Petrie's playing, because it, it's not like you're getting good defeat defense from Petrie whatsoever. You were from Pedersen, so you might as well have one good defender on the ice at a time. Now it, we'll have to see how the pairing plays out, but you don't know what POJ is going to play like with Petrie. So we'll see. Yeah. Cause yeah, POJ, if you, so I said, you know, Pedersen's probably been their best defenseman. I mean, either POJ or Ruda is behind him as who's been the second best in my opinion. Uh, so hopefully POJ can kind of help Petrie revitalize his game, but I don't know. Um, yeah. Let's, let's get to some questions then, because you said one of these ties pretty much directly in with the Dumoulin. Uh, what are your thoughts on putting Dumo on the third pairing? Will they stick to it? And did they finally accept he isn't playing good hockey? This comes from our friend Quentin. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I told you this last week. I didn't feel like Sullivan saying that Dumoulin's compete level was high was indicative of the way that he felt he was playing. Like, I think that was him saying, hey, he, he's playing hard, but obviously the results haven't been there. And this is yeah. not just a short sample size that we're talking about at this point. So I think it was kind of at that point, I felt like, OK, I think that we are very close to seeing some type of switch happen here and i think these pairings in practice will be reflected in the game if not freezing cold takes me but um i i really do think that this is something that they're willing to experiment with and it's not just going to be a one game thing if it goes well i think that uh the question then becomes how short of a leash do we see for these pairings because obviously brian dumlin and chris Latang have had a pretty long leash like even though that brian dumlin hasn't been the same player for you know two plus seasons at this point even if it was maybe like one game where Dumoulin would drop back, the very next game we would see him jump back up. So is this going to be something that we see for more than one game at this point, I think is what, what Quentin is getting at. But I'm going to say, yeah, I, I think that if this goes well, it isn't something that Sullivan is just going to turn right back to. Um, just because I think, you know, actions speak louder than words. Sullivan can say what he wants. But I really think that they do realize at this point the regression that Brian Dumoulin has had. And it's such a shame because he was a really good hockey player for several years here. Yeah, and I, I think if you're you're looking at this, if it turns out to be bad, I, I think, and maybe this is just me thinking and not really thinking about what Sullivan's doing, I wouldn't be willing to just put Dumoulin back up on the first pairing. I would just switch the other two at first if you're mm. going to switch anything because yeah. Dumoulin has shown how much of a black hole he is when he's on the ice especially this year. But this is something that you and I and many others have talked about for the last season and a half, maybe a little longer. But Dumlin has not been the same defenseman, and it is just glaring this year. So I I think that it should stick. I think it will stick because I don't think there's any way that putting Pedersen up with Latang is going to make it any worse. So if anything, I think that would just make it good. And if Dumoulin goes back up, it might be to the second pairing. But I, I would think that Pedersen and Latang could work out well where you're, you're just not even going to see Dumoulin ever again up on that line unless something goes off the rails for this team. Uh, you mentioned not seeing Dumoulin ever again. Uh, if that were to happen, I think that the next guy in line would be Ty Smith, which goes to our next question. Uh, Ricky Duncan, longtime listener of the show. Always appreciate Ricky. He actually has a few here, not all related um, to the Penguins, which I appreciate. There's some variants here. Uh, thoughts if it's time to call up Ty Smith from Wilkesbury. What's interesting here is, so as well as POJ has played, he's really only getting this chance because of being uh, Ty Smith being waiver exempt. 
because I right. really truly believe if they all had that same contract status, it's Ty Smith that's breaking camp with the team. Um, so, I mean, it's great that, that POJ has taken this opportunity and run with it, but it's really only because Ty Smith had the ability to go down to Wilkes-Barre. Um, but I mean, from just a hockey standpoint, and that's really what it should be about at the end of the day, I think he is one of the best six options and he should be up here right now. Um, I don't know what type of start he's off to in Wilkes-Barre. Um, but listen, you got to find out what this guy is because, you know, you traded John Marino who, you know, despite what he brings offensively, which isn't very much, he was a good defenseman for this team. And you got Ty Smith and a third round pick back. You got to find out if Ty Smith is going to be able to help this hockey club. And he'd inject a little bit of youth into, uh, what's at a very non-youthful <laughs> blue line for this team. So mm-hmm. I-, I think it's time right now from a hockey standpoint, I just I don't think it's going to happen until a defenseman is hurt or moved. Yeah, so the, the Ty Smith has been had a pretty solid start, at least st- statistically speaking, from a points standpoint. In ten games, he's got six points, two goals, four assists. I don't know what his possession metrics look like in Milksbury. That could tell a different story, but at least just looking at like a box score, he's played really well in, in Milksbury to start out the season. Now the the trouble, yeah, the trouble you're going to run into is. Not only do you have to like move somebody, but like financially it has to work because mm-hmm. currently the Penguins have $5,395 of cap space. That's I unreal. have more than that in my bank account. Okay. <laughs> not the flex, that, but not the flex, but I have more than that in my bank account. Right now, Ty Smith is making $863,333. You're going to need something to happen. And, and, if someone goes on IR, that won't cut it because IR doesn't eliminate cap. They'd have to be on LTIR. So what you would either need someone traded or to get put on LTIR or cut, which I highly doubt that happens. Um, yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know what a buyout would look like on like a Dumoulin contract. But basically, what I do I think it's time for Ty Smith to come up? Sure, I would love to give him a shot. I just don't think financially it can work out. You really, really only have two options for a way it, will, it can work out unless you want to run the risk of sending somebody down like a POJ and him being claimed by somebody else, which at this point, he definitely would be. Yeah, he would. So, again, you know, barring injury, um, or maybe as we get closer to the trade deadline, I don't know. But, yeah, as of right now, it's just it's it's hard to see a path to him playing I mean, who uh, knows? The yeah. way they're playing right now, we might be sellers at the deadline anyway. So, well, that's what I'm saying is if they sell, a, <laughs> if they trade a defenseman, yeah. You know, and then, I, I, listen, I gave my 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 spiel, my my uh, sell for Brian Dumlin, high compete level, two time Stanley Cup champion, been a been a good defenseman in this league for a long time, a first pairing defenseman in this league for a long time. NHL GMs, just come eat that up. He was a pretty he was a pretty high draft pick, wasn't he? He's a first or second um, round pick. Uh yeah, something like that. I'm actually really curious now. This wasn't asked of us and uh but I just thought about it. So now. Uh yeah, second round, 51st overall, 2009. There you go. Got the pedigree to go with it. Come Colin. There you go. Yeah. Uh the last thing regarding the pens was just uh someone asking if they were ever going to win again. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say yes. Uh, I'll go out on a limb here and say that's going to happen against the Capitals. I mean, that would be the game for that would happen, right? Like the the Penguins would definitely find themselves in a game against the Capitals. 
especially in Washington, I feel like. Going to get what looks like a couple bodies back. I really, I mean, I think Teddy Bluter's the big one here. Not saying he himself is going to completely change this pow- uh, penalty kill, but, I mean, he's going to help it, obviously. Like, they, they've been so bad. It seems like every t- time they take a, a penalty, it ends up in the back of their net at this point. So we knew that they were due for some aggression there just because they weren't very good at clearing the puck last year, and Jari was just the best goalie literally in the entire league when it comes to his save percentage on the penalty kill. Yeah. Um, so they were due for some regression in that area, but not this bad. Now it's like they're due for positive regression on the penalty kill. Yeah, and I mean, it, it would make sense for the the win to come against the Capitals, not just because it's the Capitals, but also the Capitals haven't played that great either. I mean, they're 6-6-2. Six, six, and two. They're only four points ahead of the Penguins, so it, mm-hmm. it, it, it would make sense for it to happen on Wednesday night against the Capitals. I, I think it does as well. I, I think you saw some progress on Saturday despite the loss um from from that the prior six before that because there were so many times especially in that western road trip that the team just looked lost on the ice and i didn't really feel that entirely on saturday when i was watching the the recap of the game again i didn't watch it live so i don't know personally but i i i saw i think i saw some progress so yeah i think they'll win again and if they don't then i mean connor bedard (laughs) <laughs> I, 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 I can live with it, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's it for Penn stuff. So we got some Steeler stuff, and then we got some random stuff. I'm going to show you through this um, as I see them. <sighs> My dear friend Alexa says, why do you drink milk? First off, are you? do you drink milk? Absolutely not. I'm not disgusting. Okay. Well, here's the thing, though. This is being painted in a very negative light as if I just sit there and drink milk by itself. That is not what happens whatsoever. I do. I do drink milk if I'm having some type of like dessert. So like cookies or cake, something like that. Then I will drink. So you just got a soft mouth. You need something to refresh it. Oh, I mean, yeah. At all times. <laughs> no, I just, I can't stand the taste of milk. That's really? why I don't drink it. Okay. Yeah. See, I, th- I thought you were going to, you would be like, so do you eat cereal? Yeah. With dry. Milk in it? Really? I eat dry cereal. I have all my right, entire this is, life. This is interesting. This opened up a whole new door. Yeah. No, I, so it, it's not like I won't put cereal in, like I'll cook with cereal or not cereal. I'll cook with milk. I it, and like I eat stuff with milk in it, like I eat cheese and ice cream and all that sort of stuff and milkshakes, but just straight up milk, I don't. I don't. What about drink. chocolate milk? Nope. All right. And the only so the only chocolate milk that I've had that tasted to me not like just milk, but with chocolate flavoring in it, because mm. I'm also not a huge like fake chocolate flavoring guy. So like I I, I don't really yeah. drink hot chocolate. Um, I, I don't really care for it. So I, I think the one that was the closest that I would drink consistently is there was, they used to sell this chocolate milk that came in a glass container at the Dutch Ridge dairy in Brighton township. And it was like okay. so thick and creamy that it didn't really taste like Odd. milk. Yeah, it was, it was, it was thick. <laughs> like that was a thick milk. So I, I that to me just tasted like eating like melted chocolate except more liquidy but besides that like normal milk whole mi- like two percent whole milk nope i won't touch it apparently my mom said 
the first time she ever tried to give me like real milk when I was a baby, it, um, was the, the last time I had milk, I spit it out. And it's not the last wow. time I had milk actually, but I spit it out apparently. And I just didn't like milk even as a, a baby. So I'm stayed consistent at the very least. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. All right. Well, that was a, a little bit longer than I thought it was going to be. Cause I thought you were just, just going to say, yes, I just don't drink it by itself, but you just do not like to taste a milk. All right. I don't, uh, actually, before we do that, let's just get to the Instagram ones first so we can get those out of the way. Um, okay. We also have a Pirates question, by the way, from Sarge, if we want to throw that in whenever. Okay, we can do that after the Instagram ones. Um, Turner's Tea or Marburger's Tea? This will probably be like a Western PA question here. So Marburger's was like the type that we always had in going throughout like my school um, career. So throughout... Middle school, high school, Marburger's tea was the thing. Lime was my go-to for sure, uh, but the sweet tea was pretty good as well. However, Turner's, and I, I'm not just saying this because I've done a few things with them. They sent me a, some merch back uh, like two years ago. Um, yeah. I am definitely a Turner's tea guy, and I think what separates it for me is you actually brought this up. The first thing that you asked me when I brought up Marburger's tea, you, you asked if they also had the cartons because the cartons are what does it for me. I, I love drinking tea out of a carton. I don't know what it is about it, but uh, yeah, I'm a little bit biased here towards Turner's tea, despite the fact that Marburger is what I had more often growing up. Yeah. Um, I don't drink tea, so I can't really answer this question from a flavor. You are standpoint. ruining this AMA. But the fact that there is a carton and that, that's why I asked is if Marburger has cartons, the fact yeah. that you can get it in a carton is why I'm picking Turner's tea. Okay. Again, not sponsored. However, if they want, also, Dave Portnoy on Barstool Sports when he reviewed Fiori's because at Fiori's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can also get a carton of Turner's tea inside mm -hmm. of there. Uh, I think he gave the carton of Turner's tea like a, a 9-7 on tea. So uh, high score. I mean, anybody who knows Dave Portnoy's reviews, that's a high score. Yeah. Uh, Ross asked, what, <laughs> what happened to your third love? Uh, she's broke. I'm up. Don't know if you have an answer. Yeah, I'll give my answer. I was debating on on giving. Um, my <laughs> first love, my first love's a biatch. Uh, don't know what she's doing. My second love uh, is Sidney Crosby, and my third love is in a, a room down here because I married her. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm right. not lying. I'm not <laughs> All lying. All right. Um, who would be? And this is funny because I was literally just talking about this on PlayStation not too long ago with uh, Stubbs and Nick and. That might have been it, actually. Uh, who would be your NFL team if basically the Steelers just stopped existing? Uh, the New York Giants. Why? Because so I had a thing that I thought of, I guess, in like middle and high school that Steelers. Are, so like Steelers are my team, but they're an AFC team. So I was like, who is like my NFC team that I root for kind of? that I want to see do good. And mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just because they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl and then they did it again a few years later. But my answer was always like the New York Giants are my NFC team. So hmm. the Giants would yeah. be my team. Yeah, I thought about this. It would have to be an NFC team, in my opinion. Um, even though like growing up, it's pretty popular now. I talk about it all the time. I didn't like necessarily grow up a Steelers fan right away. I became a Steelers fan a little bit later. Uh, it was always AFC teams that I would like jump on the bandwagon for because that's who was playing the Steelers most often. So like yeah. it's, I had my first jer Jersey was Eddie George. 
Um, I had like a, a Jets like face mask and football that I would wear around the house. Um, but my answer to this question now is going to be the San Francisco 49ers. I like their uniforms. I like a lot of individual players on the team. So like if tomorrow, this is the way the question was worded. Like if tomorrow the Steelers stopped existing, who would I be a fan of? It's the 49ers. <clears throat> okay, that's fair. I mean, they just traded for CMC too. So yeah, got a decent, got a good team. Mm-hmm. Fred Warner. Fred Warner, you know, shout out BYU. Not the biggest Jimmy G guy, but you know it is what it is. But the um, he got better when he took over as quarterback. Just they saying. have for sure this year. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's it uh, as I don't know uh, unlikely as that seemed. It happened. Uh, draft question. Very early. It's only November. We're getting some draft stuff in here. Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson, Keely Ringo. Keely Ringo. Um, Because I'm All also right. looking at where those players would be drafted. If you're telling me like which one am I picking first out of those guys, I'm picking Keely Ringo. And out of the two tackles that were given, I might not pick either of those tackles if I'm picking yeah. a tackle. Yeah, I'm just so, going based off the names because I agree. Like I brought So based him, off the names, Stanley. I'm picking Keely Ringo because while it might not be as big of a need as a ta- uh, like a, a number one tackle would be, a number one corner is definitely a need for the Steelers. And I, I think just when you, you add that into it and then you look at the draft position of where some of these guys are going to be taken, I'd pick Keely Ringo. See, do you think Keely Ringo is the number one corner? Because you're t- saying this about these tackles. I I think Keely Ringo is a probably argument with the top two corners. but Along I'm, with? For me, probably Joey Porter Jr., all right. But there you go. Yeah, no, I, I, I could I can make an argument either way of to which yeah. corner I'd like. The thing is, I could probably make an argument for another tackle or two that I might like over uh, some like these two tackles. I mean, Skronsky to me is higher than Paris Johnson Jr., but I still think I'd take the corner just positionally and where they're getting drafted over over either of the tackles. <sighs> I just, I mean, we. It, I, I think for the reason that we talked about, they haven't invested in the in day one, or I'm sorry, not necessarily day two, because round three is in day two. They haven't invested in the offensive line in the first or second round since David Castro. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I just, I want to see them finally do that because we're seeing what happens when they when you don't. You know, right. I, I think that coaching can only go so far. You got to have the horses too. I just don't think there's enough talent on that offensive line right now, and they need to add somebody early. Um, then it becomes a debate between Skaronsky and in in Paris. And I know that, you know, I got a little bit of Ohio State bias, obviously. Um, but I, I mean, flip a coin. I think they're so close. But to your point, I would have. Fashanu from Penn State ahead of both of them, if that were an option. Mm-hmm. All right, I, yeah. I won't be biased. So, I'll, I'll say Skaronsky for the question, okay. for that reason. But I do. I'll love just say not the reason that Northwestern's one and eight. We're just yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but but I, I I think Keely Ringo would be a great pick as well. I mean, anybody. It's just going to be so different for us to have these conversations as we get closer to the draft. Yeah, and then and what I, I'm the idiot that's already doing mock drafts. Even though we still have nine games left in the season, (laughs) and I know this probably isn't going to be the draft slot and the draft positions for all the picks that we're having, 
But I mm-hmm. figured, I mean, this might as well just have fun while the team stinks while, while, while we're doing it, especially on a bye week. There's nothing else to do Steelers-related. But based off where the Steelers are drafted right now, say that does stick and they did pick it four, oh, I yeah, mean, none of those I, I don't think it's going to be a corner <laughs> or a tackle. It's, it, yeah. To me, based off the, dra- the, the way the board is right now with the picks, it would be either one of Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Brian B- Brees, or who Murphy, the the edge from Clemson. Oh, um, mm-hmm. There's like there's. I think it would be either a defensive tackle or an edge based off of where that pick would be. I think I'd you also. Don't start, I know they it, don't. I go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I don't think you would get into that the corner tackle range unless the Steelers were picking somewhere between like seven to ten. Which by the end of the year, I expect that to be the case. Yeah, more than I, ex- where at right I now. still expect them to have a top ten pick, but I don't expect them to be a number four at by the end of the year. I, I probably would say probably around seven or eight is where I would say a safe bet would be for the Steelers. Uh, we can keep going back and forth with between Steelers and random questions, but you said Sarge had one Pirates one, so we might as well get that one out of the way. He did. So Sarge asked me, who do you think finishes their career as a Pirate if one of Better them was chance. going to? Better yeah. chance of, of finishing their career as a Pirate. O'Neill Cruz or Brian Reynolds? Um, I'm going to say O'Neill Cruz. And the reason being is we know what Brian Reynolds is as a player, which is a very good baseball player. O'Neill Cruz, like the ceiling is ridiculously high. He could be like a, a generational player if he hits what he could potentially be. And I still don't necessarily think that would mean that he finishes career as a pirate, but I think there's a better chance that the pirates would do everything in their power to hold on to a guy like that, as opposed to somebody like Brian Reynolds, who, while he is a very good player and can help your baseball team win games, isn't necessarily a guy that's moving the needle or can be like the face of a franchise. If it's a really good franchise, like if, if the pirates are going to be, at a level where they could potentially be within the next couple of years where they are competing for a playoff spot and stuff, it's going to be because there's a better player on the team than Brian Reynolds. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I would, I would say Cruz as well. Um, just because I'm looking at the, the current situations for both players. I know Cruz still has a lot of arbitration years left and a lot can happen within those years. Brian Reynolds only signed that two year extension. And while, I know there's some Pirates fans that are still convinced they're going to get a long-term extension done for Brian Reynolds. I'm not so convinced just because I know how the Pirates operate and I just don't I don't trust the situation. So they could play out another year and depending on how these like next year, year and a half goes for Brian Reynolds, we could be see him traded in the deadline in 2024. So I don't I just think yeah. Because of that, and we don't know what the future of the team's going to be like, I think there's a better shot for Ono Cruz to do it than Brian Reynolds. I just wanted to say to your thing about the extension, the two-year extension. I, so he got paid. He's getting paid more this past season and the and next season. But it's not really – like he's still under contract till 2025, basically. Yeah it's, yeah, it's the same amount of years. It's just they gave him a raise for two years, and then they'll probably have to do the same thing if not extended. Up. I mean, they don't have to, but like that'd be weird to then make less money. I'm just not convinced for it, that it, that a long-term extension, like a true long-term extension will ever happen. Yeah. With I just wanted to, you know, for anybody that's like looking for clarification there, he's not under contract longer than he originally was. He just got paid more for 22 and 23 uh, through that. So yeah, so just a sign of good faith from the team, I guess. All right, so I got some questions, uh, some through Snapchat, some through text. 
Yeah. Uh, since we were talking about the Steelers a little bit, we'll just start with Rebecca. Why do the Steelers suck? Really just plain and simple, throwing it out there. Um, yeah. Why do they suck? The, to well, me, it is because they are below average at too many positions and they have a bad play caller on offense. Yeah, I mean, they let's just start with the defensive side of the ball because I feel like there's less things about that side of the football. Um, they lost the you know defensive player of the year after the one, after one week. So, should they go from a top five unit to a bottom five unit without him? No, but that's exactly what happened. We saw that he was maybe even more impactful than we realized in his absence. Um, they don't invest enough in the corner room to not have the pass rush. So when the pass rush goes missing. They get exposed a little bit when TJ Watt is on the field. Those things are covered up and they're fine enough because of that pass rush. Cam Hayward's going to be a more productive player. Alex Highsmith's going to be a more productive player. All these guys are going to be better on at doing their jobs because of TJ Watt being back on the football field. Add in DeMonte Casey as well. They can throw some three safety sets at people and Robert Spillane doesn't have to be on the field in nickel and dime defense as the coverage linebacker because we're going to see these three safety sets. So that's going to fix a lot of the defense, but we haven't been able to see that for, you know, after week one. So I think finally TJ coming back, we're going to see a lot better defense on the offensive side of the football. You mentioned it. There's an inept play caller that shouldn't even be coaching probably at the college ranks at this point, let alone running an NFL offense with a rookie quarterback with playmakers who aren't making plays and they just traded one away uh, an offensive line that, they were showing some signs of improvement. I think they've taken steps back now two weeks in a row. And, and granted, they have played some really good defenses. But, you know, if that's going to be the excuse, obviously they just aren't good enough. Um, I think there's some guys like, like James Daniels, I think, has been fine. He's, he's the number seven guard in all of football, according to Pro Football Focus. He's been all right. Mason Cole was doing pretty well, but he's dealing with that foot issue, it seems like. It just keeps lingering. And I think that's a, impacted his play. You know, Chooks is what he is. He's just, he's plateaued. There is no development there. He, he's what he is at this point in his career. Fine pass protector, does absolutely nothing in the run game. Kevin Dodson's been up and down, and Dan Moore has not been what you would hope for after a promising rookie season. So I just think that there's a talent discrepancy on that offensive line, and that would be my case for adding a tackle early if, if they were kind of, if it lined up value-wise. Mm -hmm. Um but then, you know, yeah, the root of it is there's just a, a play caller that that shouldn't be running an NFL offense, has no idea how to drop route concepts. And when things when you get inside that 20 yard line, inside that 10 yard line, he's got no answer for NFL defenses. So I think all of it put together, you got a two win football team at this point in the season. And and Smitty and I basically just said the same thing. He just added a lot more words than I did. A lot of <laughs> below average players at, at some of these positions and a bad play caller. Mm -hmm. Plus, you added in TJ Watt's been out, so there you go. That that's yeah. why the Steelers suck. Also, another Steelers question that we got from Twitter that I don't know if you're going to ask yet, uh, but we I, yeah. I just didn't want to move past it until we so we don't forget it. Is mm -hmm. uh, Heather asked us if we could pick two oh, yeah. players, one offensive and one defensive, from mm -hmm. current players in the league right now and add them to the Steelers? Who would we add? Um, now I, I think you could look at this two different ways and I looked at it to improve this year only or improve the future of the Steelers. Mm, I was mainly okay. making my picks thinking of improving, not just this year, but the future as well. Um, and okay. so my pick on defense is sauce Gardner because Ooh. of how he has shown 
on defense already. He he's showing that he he indeed was a, a, the top corner in that draft, and he's played really well. So for the future, I would love to have that number one corner. I love the way he plays, and he's long and lean, really good, really really good ball skills as a DB. And then my offensive one, I debated because I feel like a cop out answer for offense could be like, oh, I'd pick like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. But I figured, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to not allow myself to pick a quarterback. So I'm going to go to the offensive line, and I'm picking Tristan Wirfs from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. I like it. I like it. I Honestly, so sticking with the same team, Tampa Bay, but going to defense, just like you did first, mm-hmm. I don't know that anybody would think about this. I'm going Vita Vea. I think yeah, he's maybe that's – That's a great one. He, I think he's right there. You know, I like Aaron Donald. I could say Aaron Donald, but he's obviously like he was kind of already getting to that point where he's talking about retirement after winning the Super Bowl last year. So, I, I, you know, long term, I don't think that that's necessarily a great solution. But when I look at the Steelers and think about how do you get back to stopping the run, adding somebody like Vita Vea, who might be the most underrated player in football uh, to that defensive line, I think that's a great solution for what the Steelers are lacking uh, in their front seven. So Vita Vea for defense on offense. You mentioned uh, two quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, as it obviously be the answers. In my mind, I'm thinking about what quarterback have we already seen attain such a high level of success despite being strapped with an incompetent offensive coordinator. And I look at a division rival in the Baltimore Ravens, and I'm taking Lamar Jackson because – despite everything being pretty poor around him, they haven't given him, you know, weapons other than Mark Andrews. They just can't seem to find a guy in the passing attack. They don't have an offensive coordinator that really wants that to be part of their identity for whatever reason. He doesn't want to put the ball in Lamar's hands through the air. Obviously a great runner, what he can do with the football. I just think that he would completely eliminate Matt Canada from the equation and still find a way to put points on the board. So for me, I'm taking Lamar Jackson from the Ravens to run the Steelers offense. And I think that makes total sense because even with the ineptitude of Matt Canada, Lamar can always bail you out with his legs. So no matter what the play call, you're probably more often than not going to get a positive gain no matter what. So I, I think that would make total sense. I just didn't want to take a quarterback because it's like we already have our rookie I like, and I And I like so, that you didn't because I yeah. started to think after you said Mahomes and Allen, you were canceling them out. I was like, oh, he's going to pick Lamar. But I like that you just – we won on the offensive line. And, yeah, what an addition – Tristan Wirfs would be, who's already, you know, he was one of the best tackles in football the second he stepped on the field as a rookie. He was that good. Right. And he he's young enough where you still have a long career ahead of him. So that was a great question. Appreciate it, Heather. Um, so another one of my questions from Snapchat, my sister-in-law, Reagan, asked us, what is our favorite body armor flavors? First off, I don't really drink body armor. Uh, not that because I don't like it. I've just never really had it that much. But I know a flavor that I've had that I've enjoyed is strawberry banana. So I'll say that. Yeah, so I don't drink it that often. By the way, if this is a sneaky way for Reagan to try to get us sponsored by Body Armor, we appreciate that. Um, True. Fruit fruit Punch, I've had like three times, um, and it's pretty good. Uh, What are some other flavors that I've had? I don't care for the orange mango, I believe. Um, I've had a pineapple it, one, which I love pineapple ooh. drinks, but to me it was kind of eh. oh, like it was, it was solid, point. but like to me, strawberry banana was better. And I've also had whatever one is the, the, I think it's a grape one. Yeah. I think it's, I a feel like strawberry banana. I feel like strawberry banana is kind of interesting for that type of drink, like that flavor. Cause I always just think of right. something like a smoothie to be strawberry mm-hmm. banana or yeah, something like sure. thick. 
So, uh, but okay, really interesting here. Let me just give you the top five. I, I searched body armor flavors and this ranked them. Strawberry banana is number one. Tropical punch, mixed berry, grape, blackout berry. Okay. Fruit fruit punch is ranked ninth out of the ten that there are. But orange mango number ten. That is correct. All right. This okay. Is good. Well, that's good. I'm glad <laughs> that I picked the best one because that's one of the only ones I've had. I've only had like there three. Yeah. Uh. So, we I've got a couple other questions. Some of them pertain to sports. Some of them don't. Um. I'll say. Well, I'll answer Cody's first because we have a lot from Craig, and then. So I'll ask Cody's first. We have a lot from Craig, and we have a lot from Ricky. So we can just do those last, I guess. Right. So Cody, I don't even know if you'll be able to answer this question, but he basically asked, like, how do I think Zack Snyder could fix the the DCEU, um, the the DC Universe's version of, like, the Marvel Universe? And he asked what storylines I like to see. First off, I would probably say storylines. I'd keep it simple with some of the more common heroes because I think that's that's how you're going to grow up your DCEU better. You've already got a lot of the common heroes having their own have, own movies. Whether they've been good or not, that's a different story. But if you're introducing new ones, I would have a Green Lantern movie and make it actually a good one and not the Ryan Reynolds version. And then I would have a movie around Martian Manhunter as well. They're very prominent characters in the DC. And I think that that could introduce it. And I think as a whole, the DCEU basically needs to do what the MCU did for the Infinity War saga. They need to have a goal at the at the end that they're working towards. It doesn't really seem to me like they have that goal and they're just making movies for fun. And it doesn't really seem all connected in a way. I, I think that the Zack Snyder's version of the Justice League was great, but you didn't really have a lot of buildup into that like you did with Infinity War and Endgame. I think if you're working towards a bigger goal and you set that goal, then that would be better for the DCU to be remained focused as you move towards that goal with your movies and more streamlined from a watching standpoint, because right now it's kind of all jumbled. And that's another thing is just from a quality standpoint, pick a style that you want to record a movie in and then stick with that style. I think that why Marvel works as well is even though there's slightly different styles based off the director, if you're watching a Marvel movie, you know you're watching a Marvel movie. If you're watching a DC movie, that's not the case because some of the styles are so wildly different from each other. So that's what I would do. Stick with basic heroes of like Green Lantern and Martian Manhunter. Have an endpoint that you're working towards and then have a style that you're setting for the rest of the movies in the DCEU. And I think it will be more streamlined from a watching experience. That's what I was going to say. So exactly. I mean, (laughs) I just took the words right out of your mouth. I feel like word for word, bar for bar. (laughs) All right. So how do we want to finish these last few questions? We can go one for one. The the ones I have are all from Craig. Yes. All right. Well, actually, I mean, there's still more than just Ricky's as well. So let's do those. And then Craig and Ricky's will be the last one. So I'm, I'm really curious about this one. Um, Mr. Baseball and, and he you were still tagged in this. So I saw Zachary I, Smith I, do something so yeah. vile. <laughs> I hesitate to air it out on social media. If he were to admit the thing, he and I both know he did. And if he did that on air, that would be cool. And we'd call it even his choice. So what I'm, I'm assuming I'm assuming this guy is very anti-Dougie. And that's what he's talking about. Okay. Otherwise, I have no clue. Uh 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know what you could have done. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Ryan Russell says so repugnant. Yeah, that, that, that's a... <laughs> I mean, good word. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, you can buy one gift for Christmas for under fifty dollars and give it to anyone you want. What do you buy and who gets it? The fifty dollars is very specific on this. I would buy a Stanley tumbler in some sort of light blue color, so my wife will shut up about it. <laughs> because okay. because she always talks about wanting two Stanley cups. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't even know if you no. know what I'm talking about. Mm-mm. So Stanley is basically it's kind of like a a yeti or a a uh hydro flask sort of deal where it's it's one of these things where it keeps it cool but their whole thing is like it's a tumbler that can fit in your um cup holder and it has a handle and it has a straw on top and everything like that but they are so popular out in utah like every basic white girl has them. I mean, you, you, uh, that's that's basically a given that everybody's going to have them. So naturally, my ha- my wife has one, and she wants another one because she wants one that's strictly for water, and the other one that she could put like pop and stuff in that 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 way she doesn't have to go back and forth between the two. And to me, that kind of seems pointless. But you know, I, that's what I would do with it because then I'll get her to shut up about it. This is so tough. You know what I'm looking at? I literally searched uh, popular Christmas gifts, 2022, $50 and under. And my mind immediately goes to rocking around the 412, obviously, like for anything Christmas. Um, we're talking about this. So th- this actually looks pretty sweet. And now I kind of want it uh, to get for Amelia and Jackson. There's a build your own play fort kit. And guess how much it is? Forty nine ninety nine. On Amazon, $50. On the Perfect. dot. So, okay, I said I want to get one for a million Jackson. Obviously, like selfishly, I'm not going to say them for this, but I want to get a build your own fort kit for one of the families we're doing rock around the full one, two, four. Sure. That works. Okay. More that came to around the four, one, two. Oh, actually, Andrew, this isn't necessarily a question, but. Got to highlight it, obviously. Hey, guys, why aren't more people donating to Rockin' Around the 412? Seems like a great cause to me. I agree, Andrew. Uh, link to that is in the bio of wherever you're watching or listening to this. So you can do that right now. I hope if you, you did don't it. donate, you hate kids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you guys think the Steelers will play to win out, or will they hold back for draft picks? What would you do as a coach slash GM? The, play, the Steelers, Steelers are going to play to win out. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the Steelers. And I know that we've seen maybe a little bit of a change in philosophy from Omar. Like the Claypool trade obviously was a little bit different. Uh, the Deontay Johnson extension, um, you know, even going back to like the end of Colbert's tenure with like giving TJ Watt all the the, the money. Um, you know, they've done some things differently. But as far as trying to win football games, I don't think that's changing. They're going to go out there every yeah, Sunday. I mean, we went through this whole spiel last week about like, yeah, they're, they're yeah. going to they're gonna win out. And also, I mean, listen, TJ Watt coming back. I I, I have a little gripe to bring up because I wasn't thinking about it whenever we were talking about it last week. Now, I I, I aired out what what my thoughts were the day after on Twitter so I could actually concisely think about it. Like, I want Mm -hmm. the Steelers to win every game. I want them to make the playoffs, but I'm not going to be heartbroken about it if they end up losing every game. Now, whenever I was making the comparison to, like, tackle one to tackle five, you brought up Charles Cross. And while at the time I'm like I can't even think of who was who was drafted this year, I'm like I have no idea who, what other tackles were even drafted. 
because my yeah. mind wasn't in the 2022 draft at that moment. But then I went back and looked, and Charles Cross was still a top 10 pick at number oh, nine. Oh, yeah, ninth overall. Yeah. Yeah, three there three picks after Evan Neal, I think. Or no, Aquanu was the first tackle taken. It was Aquanu, yeah. Neal, someone, and then Charles Cross. They were picks oh. at six, seven, and nine. Yeah. And then, but then I thought, went back and thought about it. I was like, there were people making cases for all three of those guys to be tackle one. I was more so talking about like a tackle one versus like Trevor Penning or Tyler Smith. Oh or who, God. Okay. Like, yeah. Like, like who, who was taken in like the twenties, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, yeah. I mean, that's Trevor Penning was taken at 19 actually, right before the Steelers took Kenny. Uh, so yeah. that's, that, <laughs> that was the only thing I, I had to gripe about. It was like, you compared what I was trying to say to a top 10 pick. And I had, and then I, I didn't realize it. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know that I would have in, in that time either been like, Oh yeah, he was the ninth overall selection. I was just trying to think of, I actually didn't know too many people that had him as the, I know Derek had him as his number one tackle and like, I liked him quite a bit, but because everyone said that he wouldn't offer much in the run game, I think people probably leaned Aquanu and Neil, but right. Um, uh, but, yeah. You know, that's that's the only thing that I wanted to bring up. I wasn't trying to compare him to like a guy like Charles Cross, who was a top 10 pick. I was talking about like Tyler Smith or Trevor Penning, people like that. But that doesn't yeah. even matter. I want well, the second part of this. Is, but yeah, the second that, part that, of this is what would you do? And, you know, like you said, we kind of talked about this last week. It's it's almost like I guess you could almost view it as a win win situation, like long term when you look at it like that, like either the right. Steelers are going to win football games or, you know, they're going to have a higher draft pick, which they haven't had in a long time. And. They definitely need to replenish the roster because you're seeing what happens when you don't, you know, when you have that lack of talent on the roster, they have some really great players right now, but when you start to look at some of these positions, there just isn't enough there. And uh, they could certainly use some, some high draft capital to replenish yeah. it. So, and I mean that that's where it's like, if they win, I'm happy, but if they lose, I'm not heartbroken about it because I know what it means for potential future of the franchise. It could still make a bad pick, but at least mm-hmm. potential is there. Like if they, the Steelers stayed pat and they drafted like Jalen Carter at four, I would not complain whatsoever. Okay. That, that Getting, especially after, after seeing what he did in the Tennessee game, basically taking it over for like a couple quarters, I am not complaining whatsoever if they draft Jalen Carter. Getting Jalen Carter at four would change my answer to who I would add to this defense. I'm not saying he's going to become Vita Vea, but. Like that obviously would be that type of player you hope. Right. Um, in 2006, the Steelers, oh, I keep forgetting to mention who these guys are. So that was Steelers football for life with that question. Uh, this comes from, if this is this guy's actual name, that is sick. Bartholomew Grapp. And I mean, his at is literally Bart Grapp. So that's awesome. Uh, cool. In 2006, the Steelers started out two and six, then had a bye week. They played the Saints at home after that bye week. Steelers went on to win that game, finished eight and eight. Will history repeat itself? Can the Steelers win this game and finish nine and eight? I, I am not rolling out them going on a nice little stretch here when you look at their opponents down the stretch, obviously getting TJ Watt back and KZ. My questions are all about the offensive side of the football. Like, is it reasonable to expect that they're going to take enough of a leap on the offensive side of the football? to win these games. I think they're going to be in most games now with TJ and KZ back, but are they going to be able to win these football games? I think is the big question. I think it's going to be pretty similar to like 2019 where they got to grind out these wins. I think you still have to score like in the 20 point range to win a lot of these football games. Can the offense do that? Um, I still think, like I said, I think they're going to be competitive down the stretch. I think they're going to win some football games. I think they're going to finish somewhere in like the seven and 10 range at this point, honestly. Um, 
And, you know, if they went six and 11, I, I, that wouldn't surprise me either. If you're putting me on the spot right now, I, I'm leaning seven and 10, which would mean them going, what, five and four down the stretch in the last nine. So, yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, I, I, I think that that's about where they could end up. Um, something that's interesting. Um, they, they were mentioning bye weeks and stuff. Did you see the stat? And this has nothing to do with what I'm saying. Do you see the stat that every team that has played the Panthers so far loses the following week? <laughs> no, I haven't. It, every team that has played the Panthers so far, the next week they play, they've lost. Interesting. Who who just played them? Since uh, since he just played them, but since he's on a bye, and when mm. since he comes back from the bye, they play the Steelers. Oh, okay. So that, that's there's a little uh, silver lining there. Just moved, by the way. No longer Sunday Night Football. Shocker that they would move that game. Um, I don't even remember what the question was, but yeah, I think they're going to yeah. finish like seven to ten. Yeah, it was. Do we think that history could repeat itself to, from 2006, where the Steelers went on a run after the bye week? They also played the Saints that year. They finished uh, eight and eight. Yeah. Um, well, obviously I they mean, can't finish eight and eight, but yeah, they can't finish eight and eight. But I said this. I mean, we we talked about this. The Steelers' schedule in the back half of the, of the season gets a lot easier compared to the first half. Like, there's very winnable games. There's some bad teams throughout there. <laughs> they play that then, Colts team. <laughs> they play the Colts team. There's some bad, but there's bad teams, and then there's a lot of divisional games as well. And despite how good some of the divisional divisional teams are, I mean, we've seen it throughout like the AFC North history that it kind of is more of a toss up than anything most often than not whether the teams are good and bad. So I, I would say it probably won't be the case where they get to like nine and seven and they actually make it like positive or nine and eight. What freaking seventeen games? The math screws with me every single time. Nine and eight, but I think seven and ten is probably around where they get to. Um, mm-hmm. may, I mean, if they have a really good back half, eight and nine, I just don't think the Steelers are good enough right now to to really go on a run to make it so they don't have a losing season based off to the point where they're at right now. Yeah, th- so this kind of ties in with it. Um, but P at Bay Guevara says, looking at the remainder of the schedule with a healthy Watt, what is the team's ceiling record and floor record? So not what we think necessarily is going to happen, but what's the highest we can expect? What's the lowest that we can expect? Um, so, yeah, the remaining schedule, home against the Saints and Bengals in back-to-back weeks. Then they go to Indianapolis, to Atlanta, at home against the Ravens, to Carolina, at home against the Raiders, at Baltimore, Cleveland at home to finish things up. Um, I mean, I'm, I'll be honest. Their, their floor to me is 1-8. and eight. Like, if you're asking what is your floor, like the worst you could do, I, I think it's easy to say, like, oh, they can go 0 9. Well, yeah, technically. But I'm looking at the Colts game. I'm like, if you lose that game, despite how bad the Steelers are, even if it is in Indianapolis, based off of what the Colts have been going through, that's pretty rough. But then I look at the rest of the games, like the Saints coming into town, Bengals, you play the Ravens twice, you play the Browns still, and they'll have Deshaun Watson at that point. And then mm-hmm. you're at Carolina, at Atlanta, and then the Raiders. I don't know what to make of the Raiders, honestly. I, I can make the case where the floor could be one and eight. Like you, you win to the Colts and then lose to everybody else on that schedule. Now, on the flip side of that, I personally would say the ceiling is probably mm, seven and two is your ceiling. I, I say ceiling. I so I think the ceiling seven two, and I think the floor is two and seven. 
Like, okay. it's yeah, yeah. But things would really have to go south. Like I said, they're going to be in just about every football game. I think from this point on, they would literally, in my opinion, have to create absolutely no offense week in and week out in order to to, to be that floor. Right. Well, that and that's and why I like one and eight. That's like my absolute floor. Like floor floor like you are smacking the ground right now floor <laughs> that that to me that's how it is maybe some Realist- injuries realistically though i would probably say four and five five and four is what you're looking at you 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 probably split some of these games between some of the quote-unquote bad teams and you probably mm-hmm. split some of these divisional games like maybe you lose to the Bengals this time around but you beat the brain browns this time around and then split with the ravens yeah um Tyler says, who benefits the most on offense from the Claypool trade and why? I think the easy answer, um, you know, well, on the surface, I think everybody just wants to say, like, oh, Steven Sims is going to take over in the slot. He's going to be on the field for way more snaps now. So, like, he's the answer. The other side of that is obviously, like, George Pickens now becomes clearly, I mean, he might be the number one target. He's been targeted the most by Kenny Pickett. So, but either way, like you're going to see him play more snaps. You think he starts to get more. Well, he only had three targets last week, so I don't know if that's still true. But either way, going into last week, he was the most targeted <laughs> receiver from Kenny Pickett. Um, and then, you know, my answer is going to be Pat Frymuth because of what he's done with Kenny Pickett in just a short period of time here. Now, it's tough because, like, Frymuth left one game early, Pickett left one game early, but in the two games they completed – uh, Pat Frymuth has been targeted nine times and eight times in those two games. He had seven catches and five catches in those two games. He cleared 50 yards in both of those games. Um, I just think that they're, they're really starting to build a connection there, and that's kind of becoming Pickett's go-to guy in the offense. And I also looked at the way that they're going to utilize him. Everyone's talking about Steven Sims taking over in the slot. What I actually think that we see happen quite a bit is two tight ends on the field. Gentry in line blocking and Pat Frymuth lined up in the slot. And that's kind of why I'm leaning towards Pat Frymuth being the beneficiary here. I'm still not holding out that Gunnar Oshevsky is going to get some run in the, in the, on the offense more. I, I made a like sarcastic tweet about it that now that Claypool's gone, I can open up the oh, playbook to yeah. I, as I was like Matt Canada, now that Claypool's gone, I can open up some snaps for Gunnar Oshevsky, and I just <laughs> put put me with a, a video of a guy screaming. Uh, <laughs> but it just reminds me of. Uh, what was his name? Why can't I think of his name? Ben's like favorite target in 2018 or 19. Uh, our, our returner. No, oh, our returner. Ryan, Ryan Switzer. That's it. He just kind of reminds me of him where he's just going to find his way into the offense. But no, the realistic answer to me, I mean, you said Pat Frymuth, so I will just say George Pickens um, to, to just give the obvious flip side of that. Steve Sims, while he could be included in the offense more, I just don't think Kenny's going to be looking his way that much. That That's why I don't think that he's going to be the beneficiary of this. If anything, it's going to be one of their top three targets, which will be now be Deontay George and then Pat Fryermuth. I, I think that Pickens is going to be the one, though, just because of the outside stuff with the wide receivers. They, and they, they keep looking through the outside. I feel like if Pat Fryermuth is going to be targeted more, they need to start targeting the middle of the field more, which we just have seen they won't do. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, like, hopefully this bye week did something for them. You know, they were able to take a look in the mirror. Um, I've heard good things in terms of what was said in the meetings and stuff like that. A lot of people aired their grievances uh, on what was going on. It seems like they had some pretty tense conversations, but necessary conversations. So I would be curious as to where things go, you know, moving forward. But, uh, yeah, my answer for this is Fryermuth. 
Um, how hard will you hit the doggy if both the Pens and Stillers win this week? This comes from the Black. Is his name Blake? The Blakeu Pittsburgh Penguins enjoyer. Very hard. I might post a video if both those things happen, just because it's been so long, you know, since one of them has won, let alone both. Right. So I feel like I'd have to break it out. Uh, for opposite day, would you consider doing an around the seven two four episode? I'll hang up and listen. This is this is awesome because in like I don't know if uh, this person pumpkin spice Bretsky knows that we're seven two four guys, but uh, we should we should do a couple that. Beaver County boys over here. Yeah. Um, that was it on my personal one. Do we have any more in the around the four one two one that weren't Ricky? Let me see here. Unless I'm wrong, uh, not that I saw. No, nope. It's just rookies that are left. So, okay. Um, I'll save this one for last, actually. Would Frank Reich be the best candidate to replace Matt Canada uh, if he were let go? I was confused the first time I read this because I was thinking, Ricky, like Frank Reich was already let, let go. We know that he was fired. But he meant if Matt Canada were let go. I think like it's everybody just assumes it's going to happen, even though Matt Canada technically is under contract in 2023. There's right. no way that he's coming back to coach the last year of that. Frank Reich has been like a popular name, you know, just assuming that Indianapolis wouldn't bring him back i don't know that people thought he'd be fired in this fashion like in season the way that he was uh, i think a lot of people thought he would just coach especially because they don't have anybody like that's been a play caller um you know their quarterback coach passing game coordinator this 30 year old has apparently called some plays at some point but they don't have like a proven play caller on that staff now hey um, now they, so, they can just have jeff saturday calling plays uh, that's so weird that is so <laughs> weird to think about um but you know, from uh, from a Steelers perspective for offensive coordinator, I haven't seen like a ton of names thrown out. I excuse me, really think they missed the boat by bringing back Matt Canada this season because of the candidates that were available last year. You know, like even when they they interviewed Matt Canada, they also interviewed Pep Hamilton, and what he's done with a very limited talent wise Houston Texans offense is much better. Like he's getting more out of them than right. we're getting from the Steelers. Mm -hmm. um, Seattle's offensive coordinator was out there, and look at what he's doing with Geno Smith and that offense. Um, he was a popular name. I know Derek, that's kind of was his guy and, uh, you know, shout out to Derek. He is exceeding in, in, uh, Seattle, but unfortunately it's not here. A name that I've thought of. So I'm looking at a couple things that I think are not hopes, but needs in terms of who the next offensive coordinator is going to be. It's gotta be a guy that has play calling experience. So like, for me, that rolls out, like some people have thrown out like a Deuce Staley who is doing a really nice job in his role in Detroit, but doesn't call plays. Um, so I, I like who would be calling the plays for Pittsburgh if that were the case. Um, a guy that I think about, though, oddly enough, speaking of Detroit, is this guy spent time there is Daryl Bevel, who is currently with Miami as the quarterback coach and passing game coordinator. Look at the leaps and bounds better to a tug of Iloa that we've seen this season. Now, I understand adding a Tyree kill is going to do that for you. Adding Mike McDaniel's offense is going to do that for you. But I think that also he is part of this progression here. He's been around the block. You know, he's been an offensive coordinator in, in multiple stops. He's called plays in multiple stops. He's been an interim head coach in multiple stops. Like this guy has a ton of experience. So he was a name that I thought of that really people haven't been throwing out that much. Oddly enough, I actually, and I don't know if it, it, this person tweeted this because of me putting out a tweet, but um, I was getting a ton of different names thrown my way. I don't know if you have any on the surface that you've thought about, um, but I'm I haven't thought about this one bit, so I was just gonna say sure to is Frank Reich the best candidate? Because I got a hundred and I honestly, honestly haven't looked like yeah, I got a hundred and eighty replies on this. 
Brian Johnson's an interesting one too. He's the current uh, quarterback coach for the Eagles. What about now to me, name. it's going to come down to like, does the guy have play calling experience? Uh, Jarrett Bailey uh, came at me with three names that I hadn't thought of one bit. Porter Elliott, who is the Chiefs' offensive quality control coach. Kevin Patola, who's the Eagles' passing game coordinator. Dave Canellis, who's the Seahawks' quarterback coach. Um, somebody mentioned Zach Robinson. That's a really interesting one. He's the quarterback coach and passing game coordinator who is of the McVay coaching tree. We know how important that is for people mm-hmm. getting a job elsewhere. Surprised he's not a head coach yet based off the fact that he's coaching under McVay. Um, <laughs> people have mentioned Byron Leftwich, you know, if Tampa Bay were to make a change. Um, what else did we get here? Uh, Joe Brady, who moved into the quarterback coach role when Ken Dorsey took over as the offensive coordinator in Buffalo. Um, so that's an interesting name. Obviously things that can go too well with the Carolina Panthers as the offensive coordinator, but he does have the play calling experience. Um, Antoine Randall was thrown out there. Um, a lot of Frank Reich, Bill O'Brien, who's back at Alabama right now. Uh, Eric B was thrown out there. I, I mean, if the Chiefs, like, if, if the rift between him and Mahomes is that much where Biennemi ends up moving on, even if it's for a lateral move, I guess potentially that would make sense. Um, But, yeah, beyond that, it looks like it's just a lot of the same names. I think they missed out, honestly, on, on Mike Kafka, who was the um, Chiefs uh, quarterback coach. I think that would have been an interesting name, but they obviously decided to stick with um, Canada, and now he is the offensive coordinator for the Giants. And look at what they're doing. So, um, your thoughts on the reports that Jalen Warren will be cutting into Najee's playing time. I'll believe it when I see it. That's what I'll say to it, because it is going to be hard for me to believe that they are going to make that type of shift until I actually see it happen. Because like what really happened now to make them do that? You know what I mean? Like it's, was during the bye week they went back and watched film on all these games leading up to this point and they're like, okay, now we're gonna make this, you know, close to one a play timeshare or what? I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe I guess I just I, I'm not believing it until we see it happen. I, I do believe that we'll see Jalen Warren like get some more work, but not to the point where we're talking about him as like being the lead back or like even a 50 50 split, which is kind of the way that this is being painted. Hmm. I, I, I didn't think about it that way. I just thought this was going to meant he was going to be playing more. But really? Okay. All right. Well, yeah. maybe I'm reading too much into it. I just the way that the quotes were being taken at least by some people, I thought it was being construed as like Jalen Warren is going to be playing just as much as Najee Harris. Oh. Yeah, I I thought it would just mean like instead of getting 4 to 5 carries a game, he's going to get like 10. Okay. Which I mean, we've talked about like I think that would be fine. Yeah. Me. Um, all right. So yeah, what does Craig got for us? Cause that was it. All right. So we'll, 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 we'll start off with the, the only one that's really Steelers related or sports related in general. Um, <laughs> and no, none of these should be taken too seriously. So don't take yourself too seriously answering these questions. Okay. Would you rather go deaf and mute for three years or have oh. Matt Canada signed to a three-year extension in the off season? Matt Canada signed to a three-year extension. Sorry, I'm selfish. No, I, I am <laughs> I am totally selfish as well because 
I could not imagine not being able to talk and hear things. I just like personally, I would rather I would rather go deaf than than I would blind. But for this question itself, going Same. deaf and mute, I would rather I would rather Canada be the coordinator because I mean maybe the offense finally figures it out at some point. <laughs> at that yeah, point, or I give up on got, watching football. Right. Either way. Yeah. Do I have to watch the Steelers? That, that's that's not being asked. He <laughs> yeah. could be extended, but like, can, can I just watch like other teams for a few the years? The Giants. Yeah, I'll just be the, my Giants fan for that. But yeah, <laughs> no, definitely, I am definitely having Canada extended. I'm sorry, I, I just can't do it. All right, let's see. Would you rather never have any dessert or never have any bread? Um. Oddly, so like I think, think it's about kind this. Of a, like if bread that includes like sandwiches and everything. Yeah, no, I definitely is different. It's definitely desserts because like I need bread in my life. Um, mm -hmm. but what's interesting is like people don't even frequently eat dessert. I feel like, but like in my house, I think you know this as well as like everybody that's in my close friend group. Like my mom has dessert every single night. Like right. it is a huge thing in my house. Uh -huh. Like so, uh, but bread is so necessary dessert's not necessary i agree i would go bread just because i love sandwiches too much like e even tonight i'll probably have a peanut butter and jelly for dinner i and and so i just can't do that i can go without dessert though i need I'm jersey thinking about, in my like, life yeah I, i'm thinking about what dessert i would want to have to eat sandwiches without bread that bad enough so and i my just don't aunt. really have one my aunt just dropped this off because my nephew Jackson had been asking for it. She makes this thing called Oreo Dorio. It's the best dessert that I've ever had. Okay. Literally, it's an Oreo base, um, whipped cream, chocolate pudding, um, more whipped cream, crumbled up Oreos, and then sprinkles. Oh, so it's, sim it's similar to dirt. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's it stays together. Like the way it's baked, I think right. there's like there's something that holds that Oreo base together. So it's is it it's... hot when you eat it? No. Oh uh, did you mean make made then, not baked? So or... she she you have to bake it so it holds together, but then it's okay. put in the fridge. Okay. okay. Afterwards. No, no, that makes sense. Yeah. So you don't eat it right away. Put it in the fridge. Yeah. Um Okay. Yeah. Dessert. I'm just trying to think of a dessert. Like my favorite cake is my, my uncle's carrot cake he makes. That's another weird thing. My favorite cake is carrot cake. I'm really just exposing myself. I don't like milk and I love carrot cake. Also, some of my favorite cookies are oatmeal raisin. If you know, I just want to throw that out there. Very odd guy. Um, but yeah, bread by far and away. Okay. Would you rather be nine inches shorter or, or, or take 17 years off of your life? <laughs> 17 years off my life yeah same same i and i feel like even if i was even... taller than i than i am because i <laughs> well, know what you were like, gonna say i i'm i'm 6'1 so my height starts with a six i'm not going to be changing that for 17 more years are you kidding me <laughs> i mean based mine, off would, my... uh, mine would depending on so my id says five nine but say i am five eight i can't have it starting with a four well, yeah, and that's saying you're five eight. <laughs> I know. That's on a good day for you. <laughs> My ID says five nine. That's all I'm saying. So, 
yeah, well, your idea is lying. <laughs> Closer to six foot than five. I'm basically six foot. Well, at that at this point, you'd be how many inches did we lose? Nine? You'd be below yeah. five foot. <laughs> I'd either be four eleven or five foot. <laughs> yeah. Depending on who you are. Honestly, have. yeah. I'm I'm taking the I'm taking the years off my life. Cause say, I mean, and I feel like this might be generous based off my BMI anyway, but say I live to 80. I <laughs> I am looking at dying at 63 at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can live with that and still say stay above six foot. Yeah, no, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm part of the elite class. Okay, I can't I can't go back down to the fives. You kidding me? What if I was supposed to be like 44 when I died, and I take those 17 years off and I just die right now? <laughs> <laughs> On the show, just while you're sitting there, <laughs> I don't know what I do. That, that <laughs> yeah, you're basically asking me, dude, what if I died right now? <laughs> okay last question and then we can wrap this thing up um so (laughs) i don't i don't know what your answer is going to be but he said would you rather wrestle a grizzly bear or your co-host shirtless And I'll just th- I'll just throw this out there for those that are not watching on YouTube that could see the hair on Smitty and for those that have not been in a swimming pool with them, wrestling Smitty shirtless would basically be like wrestling a grizzly bear anyway. True. So mm-hmm. for the fact that I probably won't die wrestling Smitty, I would have <laughs> to pick wrestling Smitty shirtless. <laughs> because I don't know if you've seen the whole grizzly bear or gorilla thing. Like if they I'm assuming that would win. Yeah, I was assuming that's where it stemmed from. Well, it's like, to me, I'm team Grizzly Bear. I think Grizzly Bear would win against a gorilla. I'm not a gorilla. I would die instantly. So I'm not going to pick that option, and I'm just going to have to suck it up, and I'm going to have to wrestle you shirtless. Suck it up. I mean, me per- me personally, I, I'm built different. So if I wanted to take the Grizzly Bear, I probably could. But... um for content purposes you would come up to the grizzly bear's knee <laughs> for content <laughs> for content purposes we can wrestle shirtless yeah i mean we've if rocking around the 412 <laughs> hits its goal <laughs> no <laughs> oh i did have something that I, i'll put you on the spot for it. if if uh if rocking around the 412 hits its goal would you shave your head like completely yeah, no, I, I've I've actually said that to Christian. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Would you be yeah, afraid that some of it wouldn't grow back? I probably wouldn't. But I've I've <laughs> I'm obviously resigned to the fact that that's going to happen like sooner than later anyway. So, and especially if I'm cutting that 17 years off my life now. Oh, that's so, that's true. It might uh, happen right now. So, um, I'm kind of okay with that. I can live with it. If if I just especially like now that I got the beard and everything. I feel like I, I can be fine with being bald with a beard. Yeah. Although I will say we got to wrestle in Utah and not Pennsylvania because if we wrestled in Pennsylvania, it's going to be humid. So we're going to be sweaty and sticky oh. skin to skin on each other. Let's go to the mountains. And, and so we got to go to the mountains where it's dry out here. We can wrestle in the fall where we're not going to sweat as much. Yeah. Um. What the Is hell? that it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. 
All right. Well, this great episode, uh, as all episodes, was speaking of Christian, brought to you by Keith's Barbershop, located in East Rochester, PA. Check him out. Leave him a like on Facebook. Check out his Instagram. If you want to ever book a cut with him, download the app, The Cut, and you can book an appointment with him. Man, I mean, even for me, I'm one of his best friends. I got to book out my appointment like two weeks in advance. So busy guy, but for good reason. Best barber in Beaver County. Uh, So if you're in the area, book an appointment with Christian, check him out. Um, Other than that, as Tyler mentioned, the GoFundMe links for both Rockin' Around the 412 and Isla Teens Future Fund will be in the description of this video and audio on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening. Um, Rockin' Around the 412 is in year five. In the five, four plus years, we haven't finished up year five yet. Uh, We've raised over $22,000. As Tyler mentioned, we raised over $11,000 last year which allowed us to help 30 kids across 13 families provide Christmas in its entirety. We got everything that they wanted on their Christmas list with the money left over. We also got all the families, a $100 gift card, uh, whether that be actually, I should clarify because we always say for groceries to provide the holiday meal. That is what we would like to do. But there was a family last year that was going back and forth from their house to Cincinnati to get special care for their daughter who was being treated uh, with mm. Lily. Lily had all the uh, the cooling issues. Yeah. So um, we got them a gas card as opposed to that. So we can even like put that in the family's hands, which one would be more beneficial to them. Right. Um, but we get them a $100 gift card for, you know, someplace near them, whichever way they would benefit better from um, with the money that's left over. Every single dollar donated goes to doing that. And we also provide prizes for the people who donate at least $10, which we have a good bit of those already. We got a Jake Gensel jersey. We got a Brian Dumoulin jersey. We got um, a Cam Hayward jersey. We got a Gunnar Oshesky football. We got a Jack Ham jersey. And there's going to be more stuff on the way as well. So just be on the lookout for that. One of the rocking around the 412 kids that we already know is going to be Isla Keen, the daughter of my friend Dalton, who passed away. Um, she's obviously going to need uh, a ton of help, you know, going forward after losing her dad. And a GoFundMe was started, and over $33,000 have been raised since its inception. You guys can help out. Uh, it means the world to me. It means the world to them. Um, great family that's that's had to overcome a lot, and this is another, obviously, tragic thing that they've had happen to them, and Isla's going to need all of our support going forward, um, not just financially, but this is obviously financially how people everywhere are able to get involved. So. Right. Be sure to do that. Um, other than that, for Smitty, for Tyler, this has been Around the 412. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you guys are watching or listening to this. We can't thank you enough for the continued support. And we'll talk to you guys next week where, actually, I didn't even mention this to Tyler, but we're going to have a guest next week. Uh, Eddie Provident is going to be joining us for Around the 412. Brother, this guy's <laughs> He was actually supposed to come on this week, and then, like, because of it being like this, I was like, dude, we ha- we're not even really going to be talking about sports, I don't think, so we'll just no, wait We have to week. hear his stupid puns the whole time. Well, and imagine a third person answering all these questions. This would have been, like, a two-and-a-half-hour episode. Oh, so. I know. I know. All right, but other than that... Then we would we would have had to ask Eddie, would you, which co-host would you rather, <laughs> rather wrestle shirtless? True. Uh, man, good thing that didn't happen. But anyways, this has been Around the 412, sponsored by Keith's Barbershop, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.